What do you do when confronted with a challenge in life, as we all are from time to time? Do you question your self-worth and doubt the value you add to this world? Or do you recognize your own imperfections and love yourself just as you are? Flawed, but strong. Willing to take a risk, put yourself out there, and be your authentic self. The choice belongs to you. This is Confident Closers with Anna Maria Sanin. What's up, everybody? Anna Maria here with Confident Closers on another episode with my co-host, Kevin Jimeno. What's it, how's it going, dude? What's up? What's up? How you doing? I'm doing. And of course, we have a special guest today, Alexandra Contos. How are you, my lady? I'm doing well in, in the quarantine, social distancing <laughs> world of where we're at. Aren't we grateful that we have these virtual platforms, right? To keep us yeah. connected. You're more connected than ever, even though yes. we're physically disconnected. Yeah. yeah. I think we're going to appreciate this a lot more once we uh, get out of quarantine. We're going to appreciate the time we do get to spend together physically. But that I think that's another show. Anyhow. Um, all right, cool. So, Alex, um, you and I met maybe seven years ago. I think it's been that long. Mm-hmm. Seven or eight years. Never really uh, had a, a strong relationship, but, you know, we were in the same network with the same women and both going after our dreams and, you know, and looking to reinvent ourselves. And if not reinvent ourselves, you know, just really uh, do something or, or, you know, bring together what we were really passionate about. Anyhow, so it's been a journey. Um, Here we are today. We are both in uh, different paths than when we met. Uh, Still doing, you know, following what we love and our passion. And I would just love for all the listeners here right now uh, to learn what, you know, what your story is. And uh, because I think it has so much power. There's so much power behind it for others to, um, to know about it. So please share. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, wow. It's a, it, I think, I believe my story is very powerful and I, and I believe I have a lot to share. Um, I will tell you like, the one thing is when I look back at the beginning of the story or like where I was and where I thought I'd be, it's just completely different, <laughs> you know? So it's kind of like, wow, you know, to take it. Thank you for taking, giving me this opportunity to like journey back because I just feel like it's really your story of how you got to where you got is like really what makes it so valuable and what makes it mean something. Um, so, okay, I'll, t- I'll start from right now. You know, right now what I'm doing is I, I'm a, a licensed, I'm a health insurance specialist, basically. I'm a licensed health insurance agent. Um, and I've been doing that for about three years now. Um, and I've like had a lot of success in the business by accident. Um, I really found this all by accident. Um, I come from, I was an attorney for my pretty much my whole career, most of my career before that. And, um, so, so I guess I'll start with that, right? Like, like the law school thing and how I transitioned. Would that be a good place to start? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. So I, um, you know, I went to, I I was actually in sales and all that's really where it started. I was, I was in sales and the first time I sold anything, was I sold books door actually no but this is the one of the most important uh, experiences was I sold books door to door in college um that experience like really woke me up to potential to like I wanted more to what actually I could make money and that I could create that 
you know, because I grew up um, in a, in a, my parents were divorced and my dad was a doctor, very successful, made the majority of the money. You know, my mom uh, worked, but always was an employee. You know, she worked in for a salary. Um, and so like the whole idea of entrepreneurship, I think I was born an entrepreneur inside, which is why I was like a horrible employee in everything I did. Like I was the one that always got in trouble for being like two minutes late or like, like all the, the little things, like the, I wasn't a rule follower, you know? And so, um, and that's like the, literally in any job I've had, I, now that I look back, even as an attorney. But so I didn't know what it looked like because I didn't really have a model of like an entrepreneur, especially a woman entrepreneur, right? Because my mom was like, my mom, or anything I knew I wanted to, to extra, like as a child, it was like, ask your dad, like ask the money man, right? So I had that like belief that I feel like a lot of women have that is like, I don't make the money, the man makes the money. You know, it's a limiting belief, right? That then we have to like get past. And so a lot of women, I feel like it, it has them looking to be rescued and in that, especially in that area, right? And so it holds us back. Like, so it helped me, it helped me back for a long time um, until I realized that like, you know, that was, that was a lie. You know, that was something that um, came from my experience as a child and it, it doesn't have to be that way. Um, and so you know, going back to the, to this, I, I was always selling something because when I found, so as even before, like the book thing, that was in college, I would sell mangoes, like three for a dollar outside my house, you know, right outside the house. Cause I could make extra money to go on the field trips at the summer, at the summer camp I went to. And it was like this thing, like I, like, this is like the podcast, like closers. Like I was a closer. Like it was, it, it gave me, I had that like, like deal high, you know, I, I've have you guys heard it called <laughs> like I I'm driven like that, you know, and it's not greed. It's just like this thing that I'm like, yes, you know? Um, and so anyway, that was my first experience. And then I always really like gravitated toward those kinds of things. Like I was in the hospitality industry for, you know, did that like as, as a, teenager pretty much you know 18 yeah. 19 um where I could make tips where where it wasn't like a fixed income so um I think like I've always been someone that's really good like people are my gift like it, I I've, or I've had a lot of empathy um with people and I understand people and I really get um into their stories and can connect with them and and, you know, so like even selling books door to door, I was in college and I got recruited. Actually, I fell in love, in love with a guy on spring break. That's the real, like the real way I found the job. But, and he was told me about this summer thing. And I was like, after this guy, like he was, you know, I don't know. I was like, the, I was chasing him basically. Like, you know, and he like kind of liked me, but maybe didn't, but you know, I'm like, I'm going to get him to really like me. And he was doing this job selling books door to door in the summer. And he's like, yeah, they send us wherever. We don't really know until like, we just know we go to Tennessee to get trained for a week. And then we go, they send us. And it's in, it like called to me that thing inside, like, like, Oh, like that. And also he was really hot. So I said, <laughs> maybe, you know, this is, even though I didn't like admit that at the time, but that's something that brought me there. So I, that is like the one job that I feel like I would say experience that just really, um, started this fire inside of me, um, where I could be really good at, at sales. And I'm like, I needed to make unlimited income, you know, were you good. Or are you good? Were you selling books? I was really good. I was a top, um, forgot what they called it. I was a top first year, the first year producers. And then I actually went back the next summer 
and, um, and recruited a team, including my brother. And like, I had to go, you know how in football, like, I guess they'd call it like, like the recruiters, they go out to do like home visits. I did that. Okay. I went to, I drove to Orlando. I, I was at Florida state in Tallahassee, I drove to Orlando to go like convince these people's parents. I mean, this is like, I was doing this at 19, 20, you know? And so it was an amazing experience for me growth wise, brought a bunch of people out there. And when you go out there, it's only the fittest survive. Okay. Cause you go out there, there's 50 people and then there's 10 at the end of the summer, you know, cause not people fall off. You know, I was 13 weeks of working 80 hours a week. You work Monday through Saturday, you knock on your first door at 8.59 in the morning and you knock on your last door at 9 p.m. at night. And that's, you know, and you do 30 demonstrations a day. We sold educational handbooks to like school. We had to find our place to live. We had to knock on doors and find our place to live um, for the summer. And we called it HQ. Um, so we would, I lived in like, I was in Minnesota my second summer. We lived in a, this really old woman's basement. I paid her $25 a week, each of us, you know, so she made probably like, I, th- I think there were five of us in that HQ. And just like the experience of that, figuring it out, like we, they gave us a territory and this was, this was when we had maps. Okay. So <laughs> there was no smartphone. There was like none of that. Now that those kids that go out there now, their experience must be totally different, but I feel like it's like, it would, it ruins it anyway, but we had maps and I had to map out my territory and go and draw the street. And then I'd have to go house by house and basically get information on the rest of the street. Cause I didn't want to knock on the houses where the kids, where they didn't have kids. Cause that'd be a waste of time. So you can start to see, you can tell the houses that you know, they have toys. Those are like gold mines, right? Yeah. They have toys. So you do that all day. And then at the end of the day, you come back and you make your appointments. It's like such an amazing process, right? That that is the applicable to every sales, you know, position now. Um, yeah. And I did, I was, I was great. I was a badass. I made like 10 grand, which that back then that was a lot of money. And, and I, and that was my profit because I actually had to pay the, pay for the books out of that. It's like running your own business. So um, that I, I, September 11th happened my senior year of college. Okay. I, um, in between the two summers that I sold books. And so everything that I had like wanted to do after college was let no go. (laughs) Like there were no jobs. I was in communications and uh, public relations major. So I said, well, I guess I'm going to go do something in sales. And that company has a lot of different, um, like sister companies where they like funnel out the recruits. Cause these are all kids that have really like been tested and can, you know, and, and are good. And so I did fundraising sales. So I went to all the, the schools in Miami Dade County and sold fundraising products. So like I worked with the football team or like the dance team and I went in there and got them and got the kids to sell like for their period to raise money for the, what they needed, you know, like they wanted to raise money for new uniforms and I would go kick it off. And, and so I did that for a couple of years before going to law school. Um, and the reason I went to law school, so this is what I always see is like, sometimes I look at it like at the detour, but I realize now it's not, it was part of it. But I got to the point where like I, that company just wasn't enough. It just wasn't going to make me enough money. I could just tell, you know, and I, w- I think I was told like I would one day be able to make a hundred thousand dollars a year. Like, and at the time I was 22. So in, in eight years is what he told me. And I'm like, That's <laughs> like, I never made a hundred grand, but for some reason I thought that that was not enough money back then, you know? And, um, so I said, I think I got to do something where it's unlimited. So my parents, I'm a first generation American. My parents are from Uruguay. Um, 
where they went to school, it's very much about you grow up and you go to school to become something, a doctor, my dad's doctor, a lawyer, an accountant, what are you going to become, right? There's no like liberal arts degrees. They don't understand. They don't understand what that was. So I, they always push me, go back to law school. You love to argue. You're really good at it. You know, you love to talk and, um, and you'd be good at it. And it's only three years. And I'm like, oh, three years. But at the time, you know, I said, okay, I'll, I'll try. And it was a challenge. And I got into a school to university of Florida and I went, and let me tell you guys, like I always felt like, first of all, I was humbled because I was smart but I'd always been like the big fish. I'd always been like the smartest and I was used to being the smartest and I was used to being the one that had her crap together. Can I curse on this? I don't know. Yes. Okay. I was, I had my feet together always and I always had fun and partied. I did everything. I did it all. Like, so I was finally in a place where like, oh, I'm not the smartest. Okay. So that was a really good experience for me. Um, you know, because it was very, you were a lot of smart people. And I went to school with a lot of Ivy League people and, uh, you know, and it was like humbling and it was challenging. Um, and, you know, I mean, I survived it. And I'll tell you that, like, I had a breakup from my long-term boyfriend. The guy ended up being my boyfriend, by the way, the one that got me into selling books for six years. Okay. This is the guy. Yeah. I mean, that, that was longer than my marriage later on. Like, so I'm telling you, it, it was a long relationship. And, uh, you know, we were doing long distance when I was in law school and it just didn't work out. We grew apart. And I was, I don't think I ever grieved that loss. And I kind of turned into a wild child. And I think also like the pressure of law school made me like, where like people would just party, you know, you've heard it then that the lawyers in the lawyer world, there's like more people with like alcohol problems and depend, you know, like dependence on stuff because it's a very stressful um, it's a very stressful job in a stressful environment with a lot of pe- type A people, you know? Um, and so, <clears throat> um, when that happened, I kind of like, I finished law school and I, I lost my way for a while. I would say I was, I was a wild animal partying in South beach all the time. I would drive down here on Wednesday nights sometimes. Okay. After my last trial class that would get out at like, you know, I don't know, like seven at night. So five hour drive to get down here to go out. That was the first party. And I went Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Saturday. And I, in literally in three weeks, I knew everybody at every door at every nightclub. I knew, I mean, it was like the, 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 it was the thing that I became very like addicted to that social, um, you know, I mean, I can't tell you like how many of these like dresses I had in my closet. At the time I was like living on credit cards because I didn't have, I was a student, you know, I didn't make any money. So um, it was interesting because all of that led me to, like, I realized during that time that I could use my influence skills to, like, get exactly what I wanted. Like, I wanted to get people in, I would make things happen, right, at the door of a nightclub, like, walk right. It was, like, this thing that gave me, like, that same kind of deal high, you know, that I'm like, oh, this is the influence. Like, I can use, so anyway, long story short, like, I ended up meeting a guy and ended up, like, having this relation, you know, relationship, and um, I got pregnant in my last year of law school. And um, I was about to graduate. I had, like, six months left. And I really like loved this guy, but it wasn't like the right time for him and everything. And I decided to keep the baby. Um, and so I took the bar when I was seven and a half months pregnant with the baby, Alexa, she's now 11. So 
Um, and I, we split up actually. So I had the baby, I had her with my mom and my mom said, I'm going to help you. We're going to do this. My grandmother was alive then she had taken care of us. So, you know, I decided to go, to go and do it. And, um, we ended up getting back together when she was a year and a half old and got married and got, and had the second baby, the second baby and then got divorced. But in all in all, like, you know, that part of it was, that was interesting because when I started practicing law, I had a six month old, you know, and it was 2008 when Obama got elected. So that was when all the foreclosures started. That's when the, like my, the economy, it was like September 11th happened before when I started working and now after law school, it's like the biggest, you know, crisis, like economic crisis. And I'm like, holy shit, is this like a trend here? I mean, so <clears throat> um, I found a job doing foreclosure defense and bankruptcy. Oh, and by the way, like the job I found actually paid me less money than I was making when I was 22 years old. And I had a shitload of student loans now. Okay. And a baby. So I'm like, let's go. Right. Like, um, and it was tough. I mean, I had, thank God I had my family. And that's one thing about like the Latin family. It's like, I moved back in with my mom. I don't even know how many times now she lives with me. So it's like the way we do it. You know, we were there for each other. Um, and I don't know what I would have done without her. Um, and so like, even just everything, you know, she may not have been the example for the entrepreneur that I needed, but she was my backbone. She was like the support that without that, I couldn't have done any, any of it really. So, um, when I took that job in the, in the, in the law field, I, it was not what I expected. Um, I worked with all men and it was kind of like the wild west, like the kind of law that we were trying to do was like defend these homeowners from foreclosure yet there was no laws about that. Like really there was no case law. And so we were just, it was the wild west, you know, you'd go to court and you were like, I'm like, I have a very creative argument here. It's like, it was all just made up, you know, and really what you're doing is, you know, it's all influence, right? Like again, the same skills. And it came down to like this person's story and their hardship. And that was very important then. So you had to sell that to the banks, you had to sell that to the judge to give us the, the, the 30 day extension that could make the difference in the person being able to short sell or being able to, um, uh, or being able to, 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 to modify, you know, get their financial situation back together. It's all about like really influencing using that and, and painting a really good sort of a believable story. Yeah. Right. Because at that time, a lot of people stopped paying their mortgages by choice <laughs> because their houses were had their values had tanked. So like, that's not, great, right? It's not a great argument, but like you have to show the heart. So, you know, going, going, I did that for a few years. I was there. I kind of learned like what not to do, um, as far as like being in a, what not to, how not to run a business from them because it was very, there was like a lot of fear. I remember like every other week, like he talked about maybe not maybe being able to make payroll, like at least once. And I'm like, isn't that like, Oh my God, he's uh, he's saying it again. So why would you say that? <laughs> like to your 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 people, you know, like it didn't feel right, you know. And it was almost like everybody then could get like like leading by fear, you know, leading by fear. And yeah, so after that, I went to work for the bank sides, the bank side, and I represented the mortgage lenders in actually taking away the homes. I thought I was going to make more money doing that, um, and it was a little more more money, and I thought it was going to be more st- stable. Okay. So everything that I thought it actually was the opposite of, of course. And, um, I got pregnant right when I started working there with the second daughter, with the second daughter. And literally once I started at that firm, it was a sinking ship. It was like the Titanic, 
you know? And I, the beauty of it was that I met Monica. I met all these women that, um, there was women in my, I was in the bankruptcy department. It was women running it. And there was like 25 people, you know, in the, in the department. And those women that I met are actually one, once the ship was sinking, I was one of the people that got laid off. I got laid off at eight months pregnant, by the way, with a second daughter. So, you know, I will tell you that like, for me, looking back now, all of that, I was looking for certainty with the company, with the business, with the benefits. And then what I realized was like, oh, there's no certainty in any of that, right? Like I saw that, I saw it and I, it didn't make sense to me. And at the time, like you're talking about beliefs and what we, you know, what, what we believe in. Sometimes I thought it was me, you know, I really did. I thought it was me. I thought it was like, I just don't deserve this maybe, or like, why does this always happen to me? Like the victim, all that stuff. Right. But reality, it was life pointing me in the direction of like, actually you have all the certainty that you need within your own heart, within yourself. Cause at the end of the day, like all the money I'd ever made, I created it. Right. And I was waiting, you guys, but here's the thing. It was that limiting belief of like someone else has to give it to me. Right. It all like came into this, this, my awareness and I see it more now than I did at that time. But, um, yeah, so we're seeing that right now where the country is realizing, Oh damn, I thought I had certainty. I thought we were good. And and now everyone's turning to the government saying, how are you going to take care of me? Because now my job, let me go or whatnot. Like it's crazy. Right. Yeah. And really what we, what we need to do is not be the victim right? As hard as it seems, as scary as it is. I mean, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Like this is, this is attacking the basics, like what makes us feel safe, our home, our shelter, our food, the hoarding of the toilet paper, like all of that is fear-based and it's coming from, I, I need to know that I'm okay. And so looking outward is not the answer, right? I believe it's looking up, you know, you need to believe that there's a higher power, you need to pray. And also within you, like, what are you going to create? All of life, my life taught me that, was that like, I can do it. And I had to get knocked down and had so many doors closed and it wasn't done. There's more to the story that actually I went back to like a big company. And then I said, what am I doing? Like the answer's not there. Right. Um, yeah. It's, it's believing in ourselves and, and uh, getting out of our own way and being innovative and creative. Like these kinds of times require innovation, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So how'd you go transition from law school to where you're at right now? I mean, sorry, from law practice to now. Yeah. So, um, I, okay. So I went and actually start, I became an entrepreneur and started a law firm with these women that I met, you know, after I got laid off, they had gone, two of them have gotten and formed a law firm together and they knew that I was really good at like business development, get, getting clients, you know? And so they, um, and, then, and I spoke Spanish, so, and that we needed that. So they came and like recruited me when the, the little one was like four months old. They came to my house. I remember that day I made them really strong coffee. They loved it. And like, they <laughs> were like, we want, we were starting this law firm and we need you. And I was like, okay. I was like, well, do I get to use your software for bankruptcy? Because at the time I was so bad with like that stuff and I didn't, and I'm like, sure. Okay. So I'll just give you a cut of whatever I bring in. <laughs> like it was like this deal that probably wasn't even good, but we started that way. And then we became really big, really fast. Like we grew into a multi-million dollar uh, law firm. So we were making like half a million a month 
at our, at our peak, we had a thousand clients in foreclosure. We were defending them. We ran that business for five or six years and really learned that we didn't know shit about business. Um, <laughs> Like uh, it was, it was almost like a very traumatizing experience in a lot of ways because we had, we grew so fast, you know, and, 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 but we did the right thing. We hired coaches, consultants, we got, we paid, you know, we invested in the business and, and in, in the fact that we didn't know like everything and we wanted to do the right thing for people. Um, and so how that, how that all like that ended was, you know, the economy got better. So then we decided kind of to transition out. Like none of us really wanted to practice law anymore. So I went through a two year, I call it like the purgatory period. Cause I was, and I was coaching women lawyers and doing public speaking. And I really fell in love with that. I was like, I'm good at that. I'm inspiring people. This is great. And I'm broke. Like I wasn't making the connection. I was still doing a little bit of law and I had gotten divorced too. So we closed the business and I got divorced in the same year. Um, and everything. And that's kind of when I met you, Anna, like I, I was, I, I didn't show it on the outside, but I was like a little bit of a mess and, and not sure what the heck, where it was. I was holding on to the practice of law, like with fear, but also like, everything was pointing me like to pushing me out of it. So I finally, after a couple, like a year and a half of that, I got a, I went and got a job at a law firm. Okay. And that was the final law firm I'd ever worked at. It lasted like a few weeks. <laughs> of course I got the worst boss ever. Like she totally hated me and would literally bring me in her office and say, this isn't for you. And I would say, no, but I need this. Like I needed the money. I needed the job. Like at the point I moved, I moved back with my mom with my kids at the time. I was like, I need to make this. I can't, I need benefits. It didn't work out. And so that's what made me do this. So I, now I saw health insurance. I never would have been an insurance agent. I, I used to look down on them. Okay. I used to look down on realtors too. I had lots of ideas about like what was what. Um, and cause you know, insurance agents would like call on me and then they pretend they want to be your friend, but then they're trying to like, and I didn't like, you know, I felt like, why just tell me you want my business. Don't just like, you know, I, I was, I was about like honesty. So I, um, I have, I had a friend who was also a former lawyer and got into this health insurance business, um, as a side hustle. And he was someone that actually like I'd, I'd met and, and I respected his business decisions a lot because he done made some pretty really good ones. He was a restaurant owner, successful restaurant business and always looking for the next opportunity. Everything that he touched like worked out, you know? So I said, okay, I need, let me, let me say, he did it for like a month or two. I saw he was doing well and he didn't really have a network. And I had a big network, you know, from all those years of doing business development with my law firm. And, um, and I gave it a try. Um, and I never looked back. That was like, that was three years ago. Exactly. It was April of 2017, 17, 18. Yeah. Three years. And so, I now, like I was a top producer my first year, you know, I've, I've never used the company lead. I've self-generated all my business, um, which is, I've, you know, I've been asked to speak on, I've done like more than 3 million in AV in three years, um, all personally developed. I was like number 33 in personal producers out of like 3,500 3, agents that my first full year, you know, got, got won all the awards have done the panel interviews for the whole company and like have now influenced the company to um, start looking at how we can empower the agents to like self-generate leads. Cause when I came into it, it wasn't like that. 
they built these offices that were almost like call center mill, you know, and they're like leads, leads, you know, you guys know that you're familiar with that stuff where it's like someone goes online and looking for health insurance and then that gets, that information gets sold to all these companies. And it's like not good, but it's such a small percentage, but then they were all, people would all fight for the same thing and it became like dirty. Like that's how you do things that are unethical. And I saw it so clearly. And maybe that's where being a lawyer really, that was the point (laughs) of me doing the law thing is like, wait, this isn't the best way to do this. Okay. Like this isn't, there's another way. And for me, it was completely instinctual. I just knew that it didn't feel right to do it this way. Um, And so I taught my boss at the time, my boss, my division leader, how to do it. I taught him about networking. I taught him about B&I. You know, I'm like, you're going to have an agent in a year. You're going to have an agent in every B&I group of Miami-Dade. And it happened. You did. And it, you know, we led the the company and now into shifting over um, and really like understanding that you have to teach them to fish, you know. A referral business. I mean, there's nothing more powerful than referrals. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Wow. And believe uh, it, you do because, right? Like, if you're constantly looking for the next lead, you and you're not getting your business, you're not getting referrals from your clients. What you're missing something. There's something yeah. wrong. You're either not sold on what you're doing, which we can we can fix. We can help that. You know. Yeah. So yeah, and it's the same. I'm sure in like your industry. So that's really where I'm at now. Like I, you know, I met my. So I got engaged over um, the Christmas break or over like in. Um, when was it? And on, on New Year's, on New Year's Eve. Yeah, I see Congrats. on social media, you're in love. Congrats. <laughs> and you know, that's like something that's so new to me. This relationship has taught me like a lot about like what I settled for in the past, you know, just it t- took me to 39 years old to like really find someone that I, that is like a partner, you know, a true partner and like, you know, and he's, he's amazing. And so, yeah, he lives in Nashville. So we have long, it's a little bit, this, this whole thing is like, you know, we're working it out right now, trying to figure out like what I'm going to do with, you know, with like, or what, how, what we're going to do with the kids. He has two kids. I have two. So we'll be like a blended family. And ready bunch. <laughs> you know, it's awesome. Like, I love it. He, yeah. And I mean, so, and he does the same thing I do. So that's how I met him is through my very first leaders conference. And I was invited to in New Orleans. Um, I met him there and, I had done a lot of work on myself. You know, I would say like, this is really important to get across. Like all that hardship, like the falling on my ass led me to like, do look up and say, I need help. Like I need to break these patterns. I need, you know, I need hope. I need to, I know that I can do this. And why is it like not working? Like, why is it like get this close and then fall through? Just it was happening a lot. Yeah, and that's what I want to uh, touch on because I know I also have felt and can relate to the, hey, is it me? Like, why every door keeps shutting down? And I'm sure that many women who are listening right now, um, you know, feel, we start looking at, like, what am I doing wrong? Why is it that nothing works out? Every time I touch something or I get into a certain thing, then things, like, you know, just uh, come apart. Um yeah, like, you know, that feeling and how, how did you, how did you deal with it? And like, even during the times of all the changes, hitting yourself against, you know, your head against the wall every time, um, where were those emotions? And uh, yeah, how did you overcome that? Because that's, I've been there. I know it's hard. <laughs> very hard. And I had very, um, I had some very dark moments of, you know, of like, 
you know, just feeling like I could never get ahead, you know, and feeling like my girls are watching me. I have two girls, you know, and I would be like crying in the bathroom. <laughs> At one point we had one bathroom and I would cry in the bathroom alone and, and I'd be like, hold on, you know, like, and so like what I would say is like, I, I had to bring it back to basics. I've always been someone that like, I had to, I knew that like, if I, if I work out every day, it's very important to me. I need to do the things that, that make me feel good and where I can win, you know, like what can I do that I can win at, <laughs> you know, where, and I always looked for mentors and like, I was really, I would say like, that's been a very big, and at, and at one point I couldn't, I was, I was, I used to complain. I was like a victim a lot. And I realized that, I mean, to a time that like certain friends of mine, like I couldn't even, and I was shameful. Like I had a lot of shame around not having, cause again, it was all about me, like my self-worth. Um, and like, I, I got messages, I would say like there's, I got messages, like, you know, clients, a certain, a, a best friend of mine that one day sat me down and said, you are, you don't see yourself the way the world sees you. That's the problem. And I was like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Like, I don't see myself. And I, and I just, she woke me up and she's like, you can do whatever the hell you want. Like, you're just not believing it. You know, you're holding your, and, and you know, and I, I had some patterns of like, of, you know, accepting less than what I deserved and in relationships too. I did that for a long time, you know, until I woke up and said, you know what, I need to clean house. And it was like a, it was a process, you know, and the clean house meant I'm not dating anybody. Cause that's, I'm looking for distractions. I'm going to do what I know how to do. And I'm going to go back to like doing the schedule. We wake up, you know, wake up early. I learned meditation which I str- I fought that meditation idea for so long because I said, no, I don't like, I can't just sit there. The problem is, is like I had to face all the things about myself that I didn't like and all the things about myself that were my deepest fears. And that's like, even right now what's happening with the world, right? Like I'm, I feel okay because I, but I know that a lot of people don't feel okay right now mm-hmm. because they've never sat with themselves you know, I literally sit with yourself and, and let it all come up, you know, and, um, and go there, you know, and do, I've, I've done tons of like, I have a mentor, like a spiritual mentor that helps me and she calls me out, you know, whenever I'm in a place of like control manipulation, you know, just the victim, like that mindset, we go into that, you know, and all of us have that both sides in us, right? So that's the key. Like we have, we all have good and bad right? There, people are not good or bad. Like we all have good and bad, right? Yeah. So then it's learning how to really accept that part of us and like say, okay, you're there, but like, you're not going to control, you're not going to drive the car. You know, you just get to sit in the passenger seat and hi, like you're there. But I pat, it's like, I pat the little girl on the head. Yeah. When, you know, when the little, when it's I the little girl inside of us or the little, you know, that's trying to take over, take control. And you know what? It's, um, it's all about, I think that the biggest fear that we have is to look within. Mm. It, it, is, it is so fearful to see the truth, right? Of, of the good and the bad. Yeah. So that's the biggest challenge. But um, and I know a lot of people either going through therapy or going through the inner work, however that might be with either coaches or through reading a book or going to church or whatever, however they choose to do that work. 
And I think right when it right when it starts to get dirty, right? When you start looking in and you start realizing I've seen breakthroughs, but I've also seen people quit. Like, oh, I'm done with that therapist or I'm done with that course or I'm done with that coach. And it's like, why are you done? Because I don't want to look in the mirror. Right. It's scary because it's scary because what it feels like at first is like, oh my God, all those years, (laughs) you're like, did I waste my life? Did I, it's like, no, you're just waking up to your life. That's all. It's a, it's a blessing. Don't look back. The looking back just gives you freedom for now. It's how you see it. And you can only resist it for so long. It's going to come out. It comes out to people in disease and unhappiness and depression. Like you have to face it. And on the other side of that is real freedom, you know, and then the possibility, and then like, I feel like, and also for me, I was very much, I thought like, how can I change myself if I've had all these things go on in all these areas? And the thing is, is that it's easier than you think, because once you do the dark work, you see that like your business problems are your personal problems in disguise. It's the same shit over and over again. And you, once you see that, like you just change your life in a minute. I mean, not to say that you're not going to go back into those moments. You're aware. You're aware. This is a life fork, you know, like I heard Maya Angelou the other day being interviewed by Oprah and she was saying, um, like he, he, she asked her a question that was kind of like, are you, is your journey done or do do your, your level of knowledge? And she's like, no, I know, but I don't know everything. I'm not done. And you're never done. No. And the time and whenever you feel that you're done of you've reached perfection or you don't need any more, that's a place to be, you know, to be scared of, you know, finding yourself in that area because we're never done. We're never done. And those moments is when the world comes and slaps you and and knocks you back down. And then you got to have no choice and you're back to getting to, to, to do the work. Yeah. What is like, what is life teaching me? Like, what is it, you know? And I think a lot of times too, like men, men really are not taught to feel their emotions and feel, you know, and that's, that's, there, there needs to be like an awakening with men because we notice it. Like that's how, I mean, when people are really whole and complete and, and loving themselves and like have dealt with their, 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 their shadow, their darkness, that's when they really can lead from the heart. Right. And so like, I feel like, you know, I, I said this yesterday to someone in a, in, in, in a video I did with someone, but it was like, we, I feel, and this is like an intuitive feeling that I feel like the women, and it's not just women because a lot of men have done the work. Like I know my, my fiance is someone, you seem like, you know, a lot, like you do it. That energy though needs to, needs to overcome. Like that's what the world needs right now because, you know, we need to be the leaders in that, right? Just like we let ourselves, we need to lead others now. Amen. There's a part of your story that I want to touch on before we go today that I found super interesting and I don't know how much you've reflected on it, but I'm sure a lot of people can relate that social pressure of become something. You had mentioned it earlier and I think your path was become an attorney. Mm -hmm. And then when you realize this is not what I thought it was and it's not what I wanted and And it's not all that it was cracked up to be, right? And then you look and you say, I got student loans. I'm supposedly this attorney. I'm supposed to have status by being an attorney. And now I'm going to get out of this. Did you battle? Was your confidence? You said you were looking down at the industry that you're in now. Like, Talk a little bit about that transition and that mindset. 
That's such a, that's so important. Thank you for asking me because that's what I battled and why I wouldn't let it go. I was like clinging onto it, you know, and literally life was showing me. I was like going broke. And I was, I couldn't even make my student. I mean, I couldn't even make, so I was, yeah. And the whole, it's the status, you know, in Spanish, like, you know, in Spanish, they call, if you're a lawyer, they call you doctora, <laughs> like a dog. And it's this thing. And I had shame around my family knowing too, or giving up. There's a lot of that giving up energy there, but it's just another choice. Like it's just the way we see it. Right. I mean, and the thing is, is I make three times the money that I ever made practicing law. Three times. Then I, when I own my own law firm and it's only going to go up and that, you know what I mean? Like it's, I had that limiting belief of like, oh, this is that way, but it's not necessarily, you know? And the thing is, is like, don't look down. I now, I don't, I don't look down and I find myself that I'm not looking down, but you, sometimes you judge a roofer. Like you can build an amazing business in an area where people wouldn't think, you know, like doctors. They roofers can be making tons of money, having huge companies. So yeah, we. Real realtors. I used to, I mean, God, you know, I used to think, oh, there's so many realtors. Yeah, there's so many, but there's not many good ones, you know, and you, and there's enough. Again, that comes into, that's the, the, the scarcity versus the abundance. Like there's enough clients to go around. There's enough business for everyone, you know, but there's enough for all of us. So that's a belief that, you know, um, sometimes I'm sure in that mortgage, like why, how do you set yourself apart? There's so many more. Yeah, but there's so many, but there's nobody like you, right? right. There's nobody that does it like you do it. That's a really important thing too. Um, I think that honestly, you, you, I wish this is my one, I, I wouldn't say regret, but I would say I have seen people in, in my life that have been able to pivot faster than me and they needed, um, they didn't hold on so much. And I attached the, like, I created meanings and stories out of these like endings you know, that kept me in like suffering for a long time. And I've seen people do it in a more powerful way. And I aspire to be that way. Like, okay, time to click, time to transition. This is like this now. So I practice it, you know, like even just with this, okay, this is how it's going to be now. And I'm not going to dwell on like why it is. So what, and here's the thing, figuring it out is sometimes a waste of time, right? Sometimes you don't need to figure out the why. You just need to go. You just go, you take life's direction. And that requires a lot of faith and trust. I think in that the doors are being open and you're being guided. Yeah. Yeah. I think that requires, that requires also a lot of um, being able to uh, remove our identity from the titles and from like physical material things and people Mm -hmm. and realizing that that's not what makes us nor is that what, uh, you know, uh, why people would accept us and or, um, you know, obtain what we want? You know, it's, it's really at the end of the day, once you're able to let go, which is that's, that's the hardest challenge, right? It's letting go. It's uh, allowing yourself to be in the unknown or sort of like walking on eggshells because you don't know, you're not in control, you're just letting go. Uh, but then once you let go, like you said earlier, it's that's true freedom. You know, you let go. You let yourself be, you, you do the hard work, which is looking within, um, and then just being free, being free from, from, from judgment, from beliefs, from, uh, yeah, that's owning your, owning your, owning your decisions, your choices, owning your choices and not like I, for a long time, I felt I had to explain myself. That's a big thing with women. 
Like some girl, a woman wrote a book on it called Girls Stop Apologizing. Like, why do we have to do Like, why do we, why? I find myself doing it. And I'm like, just say no. You can say no. And that could be a full sentence. You don't have to say, because this and why this? And like, you know what I mean? It, that's all like, it's, it's, yeah. yeah. It can be, yeah, it could be a lot easier. Um, and it's just practice. That's all, you know? I think, uh, Number one, this was crazy good. Like, you killed it. I, I could go forever. Like, I, <laughs> when I do a podcast, I'm like, we're done? <laughs> I think you're definitely someone that needs to come back on and share a lot more. So I want to thank you. Um, two major takeaways that I say all the time, and it was it was good to get reminded by hearing you say it, and I... And I have these conversations with friends all the time. Like, we don't need to know the why. And that was like one of the biggest takeaways for a fact. And being able to pivot, especially in the moment that we're in right now as a world. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people right now stressing because they don't know what tomorrow is going to bring them. And not being caught up and getting ready to just make that shift. And for some people, it's heaven sent. Like now you might have the motivation, the opportunity, and you may not have a choice to pivot and move to the next chapter of your life. And good things are coming. And I think your story shows that. Yeah, right. It's just like that. It's just like any of those things that happen that were temporary, right? Like, and the biggest gift is on the other side. Yeah. Right. Oh, it's always on the other side. Like, you know, it's just like looking at, I would say too, like looking at how can we, what got us here isn't going to get us there. Like what got us to this, like our consciousness is needs to shift. Yeah. We're going from, you know, I was just talking to Monica about this. We're going from a me to a we, mm-hmm. to like the fact that everybody's at home now because of the, no, not because a virus could kill us, the three of us, we, but because the, the, you know, connect the interconnectedness of everything. And really like it took this to get us to understand that, you yeah. know, I just think it's, it's, a, it's an, it's a wonderful time. I think we're blessed to be part of this because what's going to happen on the other side is, you know, and I love that you guys are doing this. I wanted to start a podcast since last year and I can't get my, you know, I'm like, Oh, the technical stuff scares me. So I'm very, I like give you guys a lot of kudos for doing it. Um, you know, I just think it's great. And I love, I love it. Like, I love to come back. Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, totally you're welcome anytime. And if you ever need help on, uh, the technical side of it, it's not that <laughs> you got this girl <laughs> I awesome. that I haven't taken out of the box. That's, not- <laughs> That's so- my limiting belief. That's <laughs> Oh gosh. Yeah. So Alex, if people want to get in touch with you, they want to contact you. What, uh, what are your social media platforms? Okay. So I'm I'm on Instagram as, um, Alex underscore the health agent. And then, um, I've got, uh, alexandracontos.com is my website. And I've got on Facebook, you can find me on Facebook, you know, it's Alexandra Contos. And also my business, uh, Facebook is, it's Alex, the health agent on my Facebook. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And just so everybody knows you are in uh, health insurance for family and companies. 
basically, yeah, I help people who are self-employed and families with their with health insurance. And it's not Obamacare type of stuff. It's more quality coverage for people who are healthy. But really, like in five minutes, I can help anybody with their health insurance questions and just really break it down for them. Like I make awesome. the process really easy and I work the whole year. So this was my busiest week this past week. And, you know, people are really like freaking out. And so some people didn't have insurance. And so if the, your company does not offer insurance, you ca- call me. And I have my cell phone number literally on every, every platform. So Awesome. Awesome. Well, there you guys have it. Uh, this was a great episode. Thanks so much, Alex, again. And obviously, Kevin, um, for being here as usual with me. Um, But for all of you who just had an opportunity to listen in, um, this is just another amazing story from uh, women like you and I who are simply um, going after their dreams and you know what, and finding and, and making the choice. I think that's the only, you know, that's the biggest difference between us. It's just the choices that that we make and it's either we build the courage to get to the other side and confront our fears or we sit back and uh, we live a life of what ifs and I definitely don't want to be one of them and I hope that you're not one of them and so uh, with that we'll see you guys on the next episode Uh, thank you so much for listening in and I really hope that uh, this story made an impact in your life till next time thank you thanks for listening to Confident Closers We hope you gleaned some insight and find a way to take action and make a positive change in your life today. Not tomorrow, not someday, now is the time. Learn about Anna Maria's latest projects and get social on Facebook at Confidence Closers, on Instagram at The Confident Closer. Until next time, keep that chin up, walk tall, and support the women in your life to do the same. Because together, we are strong. Thanks for listening.